Thank you, Bob. And with that word in our hearts, prepared by the beautiful music that you just heard, we now turn our hearts and minds uh, back into the word once again, this time in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, starting in the first verse. I'll be reading this morning from the New Living Translation. As you're able, I invite you to stand for the Gospel reading. Jesus shared then that the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five for wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. When my family and I lived in Southern California, we were warned regularly to have our earthquake preparedness kits. You can understand why. When an earthquake knocks everything off the shelves, there's, not, there's no going to the store to get replenished. A dear friend of mine, uh, who is in what many will call, and I call him, a prepper, ready for any natural or human disaster. He keeps a 50-gallon drum of water in his backyard to be ready just in case disaster strikes and clean water isn't uh, readily available. Now, I confess that in the years living in California, that unlike my friend, I was nowhere near as ready. I think I had a bottle of water in the house. (laughs) As we approached the end of the year and the end of the church year and turn the corner into Advent soon, Jesus tells us the big one is coming. His return. So today, Jesus gives us a parable, once again, about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in particular, to be ready. This time, an overarching message comes crystal clear through Jesus' words. Be prepared. William Barclay, the great Bible commentator of the last century, tells us that one of the great delusions of the devil for God's people is that we have plenty of time. 
We keep telling ourselves that as we focus on either the sin that we love or maybe something really good that just isn't great. So the question becomes for you and for me, will we be wise or foolish? And then that naturally leads to to some other questions, doesn't it? Am I prepared? And then, how can I be prepared? To answer those questions, we need to unpack this parable of Jesus and understand the culture that He spoke to so that we understand what He's speaking to us about today. First, we need to understand that Jesus was speaking in this first century Jewish culture to a a folk who believed that once the Messiah came, that was it. That the kingdom of God had come and the kingdom of the world would come to an end and Christ would reign. And while that is true, that the kingdom of God has come in the coming of Christ, what they didn't expect and what we know now is that the kingdom of Christ came But the kingdom of the world had not yet come to an end. And it won't come to an end. And the brokenness of this world won't come to an end until Christ comes again. And the wedding is consummated with the wedding feast that has no end. The party will go on for eternity. And so they had to come to the recognition that the bridegroom, Christ, would be delayed. And so he tells us that in this parable. We also need to understand the image that Jesus was teaching us from was from a first century wedding that would begin usually in the evening and start at the bridegroom, the groom's home. Friends and family and members of the wedding party would often gather there. And then in the evening, in the dark of night, a procession would continue through the streets. And if you were part of the wedding feast, if you were invited to this party, you would be prepared with your lamp to light the way of this procession so all can see the coming of the groom as he processes to the home of the bride where the ceremony will continue and the feast will take place. And so your lamp was a symbol of your invitation of being part of that party. But if the groom is delayed, you need to be ready. That's what Jesus teaches us. And we soon discover that all ten of those bridesmaids in Jesus' parable had fallen asleep until the shout of the news that the bridegroom was on his way. But only five were prepared to make it through the night. And so that means you and I need to be prepared while we wait for the bridegroom to come again. We're reminded anew that we won't know when Jesus will come again. We can't check the Find My iPhone app or Google Plus 
to see how long it is until he gets here. We just have to wait in the dark and be ready. But that darkness will be lit by the lamps of Christ's light in us through the power of the Holy Spirit at work until Christ comes again. This waiting is explained when we understand that this procession is leading towards the feast. And as we wait, we wait with hope for the feast that will come. And we announce to the world that the bridegroom is coming. That we're a part of this wedding feast with these lamps. Luther will say that trusting in Christ is the oil of our faith. And shining to the world is the lamp or the torch that we carry. And so we remember as we unpack this parable that Jesus is the groom. We the church are His bride. And the feast or paradise, heaven that is to come will have no end when we're ready and waiting for Him. Now not to get too technical, this parable is both allegorical in that there are pieces that represent and mean certain truths. But it's also parabolic in that it has one overarching message to be prepared. And so as we try to unpack just what that oil represents, some have suggested, oh, it's good works. As you already heard Luther preach, it's the oil of the faith in Christ given to us by God's grace. But either way, we can't miss the point, the main point, which is to be prepared. And so to understand how we're prepared, we unpack the context of what Jesus is teaching with several parables right there in a row. These very words of Jesus. First in the chapter that precedes it, chapter 24, we hear a warning of not knowing when the Messiah will come. Then following that, same chapter, end of 24, a reminder that we can't be passive watchers, but alert and active. That'll get picked up at the end of the parable we read today. And then we get this parable from Jesus that stresses the need to be prepared in the face of an unexpected delay. We begin to fully understand what this parable means and how to respond to it when we look at the fuller context of all that Jesus is teaching us here. I was on a bike path this weekend, and there were several of us out there, and some of us were more prepared than others. Now, if you ask me to go on a triathlon and begin that today, I'd be able to begin it. But finishing it is a whole nother story. Starting a marathon, many of us could do today. Finishing Shinging, just a few of us could. And what we hear in this parable is, is that there's no substitute for being prepared. 
Jesus wasn't being mean when he told us that the prepared bridesmaids couldn't share or wouldn't share their oil with the other bridesmaids. No one can carry you to the finish line of a marathon. No matter how well prepared they are, you have to be prepared. And when it comes to living the faith in this dark world, the only one that can carry us to the finish line is Christ Himself. And our preparation has to do with receiving this gift of faith daily. Martin Luther will will later talk about and distill for us what that means. But as he does, he reminds us that just like the foolish bridesmaids, the well-prepared ones cannot pass their training on, nor could anyone pass their training on to me on that bike path. All of us neglect something. Sometimes it's physical fitness. Time with our kids, maybe. The time it takes to make the project truly shine at work as opposed to just getting her done. Maybe it's homework from school. The list continues and we start catching our breath and maybe you're starting to sweat with the list that you have. When it comes to our faith in Christ, we understand what it means to be couch potatoes physically, but one pastor put it this way, they're also pew potatoes. Those of us who like to show up just a little bit, and believe me, as we know, a little bit of exercise is better than none, and coming to worship and gathering like this and being with God's people is a great and good thing that glorifies God. But God invites us to get off the pew and live out our faith every day. Being prepared is receiving this gift of grace every day. Before we can hear more about this word of hope, we need to be clear about Jesus' warning. And remember, these are Jesus' words. That the Father of the Bride will say, with our lamps that are dimmed, He doesn't know us. Remember the imagery from this first century wedding. No lamp means you weren't invited. You aren't part of the party. And that door will be locked. It will close. The book of Hebrews tells us that just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. So whether it's on our deathbed or when Christ comes again, the door will close. But the word of hope is this. As you feel pressed against all the ways that you have neglected this or that or neglected your faith or maybe even start to self-identify as a pew potato. As we see that that is true for all of us in some ways in our hearts. We remember 
this word of hope. While we yet have breath, there is hope for redemption and transformation. I liked to, as one uh, Lutheran devotion I read in speaking about this said this, no matter how depleted our faith is, Jesus' grace can fill us to overflowing with a single word. A single word. God's word flowing in us. With a single word, the hope of the gospel comes rushing in. And so with that grace, with that gift of faith, with that oil replenished, we can then be prepared to live this long life until Christ comes again. And Jesus doesn't tell us just how to do that in this one parable. He does it throughout the whole of the Gospel. He tells us to abstain from bad behavior in Matthew 15. To receive faith and not worry in Matthew 6. To have unhesitating faith in Matthew 21. To love other Christians in Matthew 24. To love and bless our enemies in Matthew 5. To love God wholeheartedly in Matthew 22. To care for the poor and hungry later in this chapter, chapter 25. To use the gifts that God has given and to seek the Lord. The full picture gets painted as we open up more and more of Jesus' discourse here on what it means to be prepared. But don't get overwhelmed. Salvation doesn't come rushing in by your power. It comes as a gift of God. We're simply being invited, as I've said time and time again, to open up this gift and live it. Martin Luther will preach on this text and distill it like this. He says this, Therefore let each one see to it that he has these two together, the oil, which is true faith and trust in Christ, and the lamps, the vessel, which is the outward service toward our neighbor. The whole Christian life consists in these two things, to believe in God and to help your neighbor. The whole Gospel teaches us this, he says. Parents should tell it to their children at home and everywhere. And so we're called, you and I, on Sundays and every day in between, to trust in Christ and to serve our neighbor. We have a calling that gets us off the pew potato world and out into the world to shine the light as the procession moves towards the wedding feast. If you wonder where to begin, well then just begin with these words of Jesus. Go home today and read Matthew 25, 1-13 again and ask Him, what is the law that you are preaching to me, Jesus? And what is the Gospel hope that I need to hear? The warning is clear. Don't neglect your faith in Christ or your duty to follow Him. It's not about how you feel. It's about who Jesus is. And who Jesus is, is a call to daily faith in Christ. 
There's an old story about a lighthouse keeper who worked on a rocky stretch of coastline. Once a month, he would receive a new supply of oil to keep the light burning so that ships could safely sail near the rocky coast. One night after he had received his shipment of oil, a woman from nearby village came and begged him for some oil to keep her family warm. He thought it was a good and righteous need, and so he shared some. Another time, a father asked for some to use his lamp so that he could light the work that he needed to do for his family. And another who needed oil to grease his wheel to feed his family. And since all these requests seemed legitimate, the lighthouse keeper tried to please everyone and grant the request to all. But toward the end of the month, he noticed his supply was dangerously low, and then it happened. The light went out, and there was no oil. And the worst happened. The ships came crashing in. Lives were lost. This story, as relayed in the book, Rethinking the Church by Emery, is told, and he writes... You were given oil for one purpose and for one purpose only, to keep that light burning. A church faces a similar commission. There is no end to the demands placed on a church time and resources. As a result, the foundational purposes of a church must remain supreme. This is true for the church gathered here and true for the church scattered throughout our city all week long. We must remain true to the foundational purpose of what Christ has called us, to shine His light to the world. There are many distractions in this life. Don't settle for what feels right. Trust in who Christ is. Don't presume. Be prepared. The big one is coming. The oil of our faith lit for God's kingdom. Let's shine that light until He comes again. Amen.